This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Jump straight into it. Today I've got three points for you and we're going to be focusing on one of the most extraordinary people in the Bible. Honestly, my heart soars. I have checked with people if it was alright to speak on this because I've wanted to speak on this person for so long that I think it's just become a little bit selfish. But I don't care. So, um, you know, it's in the Bible, so surely that's alright, yeah? So just indulge me a little bit this morning. We are going to be focusing on Deborah. Yeah, hey, come on. A woman. A female of the species. Yeah, we're doing it. Oh, I love Deborah. I love Deborah. She's barely mentioned in the Bible at all. Just two chapters in the book of Judges. That's all. But oh, the things we can learn from her. So today is a bit of a potted version. Just what I'm going to be bringing to you. And do you know what? Even though it's something I've wanted to speak of for so long, I pray that it's all God, none of me. You know, so that none of you have to endure too much of me. Although um, a little bit goes a long way. Uh, (laughs) All right. So we're going to just bring up Judges 4. If we can, I'm, I have a Bible right here. I might do it from here. Who knows? Right. Okay. You, the whole chapter is here, okay? But I'm going to whiz through some of it. As I, I'm just going to talk. Lee, you just scroll through the verses. That'll do. Um, Deborah was appointed judge of Israel. Now, there was no voting involved. This was not a Brexit-style situation, okay? There was no Trump-style fake news. The, the other stuff going on, right? Deborah was appointed by God himself. And she ruled, she was the fourth judge of Israel. The only, incidentally, in the whole history of Israel, female judge. And there was nothing, it was nothing to do with passing on the baton. So it wasn't a familial genealogy thing where uh, mothers passed it on to their sons, fathers, okay? She was appointed by the Most High God in exactly the same way that Samuel was appointed judge of Israel. And it is said she sat under the palms of Deborah, And she dispensed her godly wisdom. The people would come to ask how they could deal with stuff. Here we are. Under the palm. I am just, one of my selfish prayers is that one day God just says, and Andrea was there under the palms of Andrea, um, (laughs) dispensing her. Wouldn't that be amazing? He went, yes, God's given me some palms just because I'm uh, loved. Right. And there she sat. And they came to her to have their disputes decided. And... They had been under occupation for about 20 years by the Canaanites, of all things. You know, the Israelites, ah, pudabs, there's always someone oppressing them in the Bible. It's always happening. And usually it's because they've forgotten about God and gone their own way. Then it gets so awful, they remember about God and turn to him. He puts things right and they enjoy having things put right so much, they forget about him. And go their own way. Yeah, this is, this is a recurring theme among the Israelite people. Uh, does that sound familiar to any of us? Yeah, yeah. The panic prayers we pray when things have gone a little bit wrong. And then everything's all right. And we forget that they went wrong. So, so Israel. And it said there were 900 chariots surrounding the areas. Those were the equivalents of tanks in those days. They were metal, they were iron, they were armed, there were horses that drawn them. So these people were not just oppressed by some ruler that wasn't visible or seen. The commander of the ruler, Sisera, was there with 900 chariots physically boundaried and oppressing the people of Israel. 
It was a very physical thing and it was a very visual thing. And for 20 years that happened until they cried out to the Lord for help. And Deborah says, you know what? This is it. This is our time. We are going to battle. The Lord is with us and we are going to win. And she tells the leader of the troops, Barak, his name. Because I am a little bit in love with Barack Obama. I've just got to put that out there. So even if I just get to say the word Barack all the time, it's just lovely. So, you know, Barack, he's here. Yeah? And she sends for him. She sends because she's the judge. So she sends for him. He comes. And she says, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Right? You get in this. When you go home, read this. Okay? Judges 4 and 5. Because it's amazing. Go take with you a thousand men of Natalian's emblem and lead the way to Mount Tabor. And he goes... Okay? And, but before he goes, he does something. Does anybody know what he does? No. Thanks, Joe. Because at least that was a response. Because everybody else just sat there looking at me like this. (laughs) What Barak says is, I will go. You've told me to go and I will go. But I'm only going if you come with me. And Deborah says, I will go with you. But because you have refused to go alone... The victory will come through a woman. Hey, hey, hey. Right? So that's what she tells him. I'll go with you. That's fine. So they go and they defeat the enemy. The chariots get stuck in mud. The Lord intervenes. Deborah says, you go. This day is yours. The Lord has commanded you. So they get stuck. So anyway, Sisera gets separated from the troops. There's a rout. There's an awful battle. Everyone is dead, except for the Israelites, because we're on the winning side. Okay, so everyone is dead. Sisera jumps out of a chariot, which got stuck in the mud, runs off, and he finds himself by a tent. Okay? And in the tent, a woman appears. Hello, Jael. Mm, I know, hold well on, another woman, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, blinking neck, thank goodness, friendly face, here I am. Any chance I could come in? And she says, well, yes, come on in. In you come. And he says, I'm awful thirsty. Have you got any water? She says, I'll give you a drink. So she gives him some milk, that well-known thirst-quenching fluid. So she gives him some milk. And then he's chilled. He thinks he's in some friendly face, um, place. He's cooling down. He's like, oh, I got away. This is going to be okay. So he relaxes, goes a bit off to sleep. Upon which, uh, Jaelt seizes the opportunity, picks up a hammer and a tent peg, and hammers his head to the floor. Oh, yes. The victory came through a woman that day. So that's what happened. And then, when Barak and Deborah arrive, they're like, where is he? And she says, he's in there. Go and see him. Upon which they find him, not asleep, but with his head hammered to the floor with a tent peg. I know, you can't make it up, can you? The Bible is awesome, isn't it? I just love this. And you're like, okay, Andrea, I don't know where you're going with this. Hey, it's tenuous at best, but stay with me, all right? So, and at the end of this, so they are victorious. And chapter five is just a song. Because not only was Deborah a judge and prophetess, she was a songwriter. Get that. She could do everything. I bet she could make pancakes as well. So, right? So she could. So then there's just this huge song. But Deborah was correct. The victory had come through a woman. So what I want to focus on today, there's a little bit of a background. Is that all right for you? Go and read it. It's an amazing story. And if the only reason you want to read it is to laugh at the end when JL hammers his head to the floor. You know, like, hey, some of us have got a bit more bloodless than others you know i get it but have a read of it anyway what we are concentrating on today are three things that deborah can teach us and it is about identity 
purpose and self-worth. Those favorite topics for the 21st century. We all love a bit of this, don't we? Now, a lot of what I'm saying, okay, is based on some of the stuff in this book. This is a book by um, a psychologist called Dr. Robbie Sonderegger, who um, I've heard speak a couple of times, and he's got some YouTube stuff. He is an actual proper doctor. He's not like one of those, you know, in the way that Joseph's a minister. You know, he filled in one of those forms online, and now my son's an ordained minister. I kid you not. Right? (laughs) So it's not one of those things. He's an actual proper doctor, and this is based on evidence-based stuff. So this is a really good book. If anybody wants to borrow this, you are more than welcome to borrow this. But this is from his book, Free to Be You. And it blends a lot of um, neuroscience, which you know I'm a bit of a nerd for, and bioethics, with the Bible. So how our brain develops and the way we are, completely in keeping with what God says about you, challenging conventional norms and 21st century ways of thinking, which is a lot of what Ian touched on last week, wasn't it? The way we think about ourselves. The way almost we're encouraged almost to become narcissistic in our outlook, aren't we? It's almost like it's because it's all about us. How I'm feeling, how I'm developing, what I think. But, you know, the Bible is very clear on all of this stuff. And our first point is about identity. Okay? Okay? Yeah. Oh, thank goodness for that. I thought you nodded off. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, um, okay. I don't know, okay. Carry on if you want to, but I'm not listening. Right, you better be. Because I'd be cross. No. You need to recognize who you really are. Have you seen that program? I love it. Um, Who do you think you are? Do you watch it? They always manage to find some story, don't they? um, My favourite is when Danny Dyer of EastEnders, you know who I'm talking about? All right, all right. Danny Dyer found out he's actually related to Henry VIII. Amazing, amazing. Who saw that come in? No one. Not the royal family, that's for sure. (laughs) So it's brilliant. And you think... But, you know, have you heard the story about Michael Parkinson? You know, Parky, Michael Parkinson, who was turned down for the programme because his family history wasn't interesting enough. (laughs) So that gives you some idea, doesn't it? They choose people where it's all, oh, and then they ended up in the workhouse. Oh, no. And then they were dead. Well, yeah. And, you know, but then you were a queen. Oh, was I? You know, so it's like, we're desperate, aren't we, to find out what's in our past as long as it's exciting. (laughs) aren't we we're desperate for something that identifies us and pins us down as extraordinary when we miss out the absolute elephant in the room you are created in the image of the most high god you are extraordinary Mm -hmm. you are that extraordinary christian that c.s lewis writes about and we mistake our lack of drama for ordinariness and ordinary you know what's wrong with ordinary What's wrong with a lack of drama? What's wrong with finding something to be wrong all the time? Nothing. You know, nothing. What's wrong with coming from humble origins? Nothing. Nothing. So latch on, number one, to the fact that even though you think you might be ordinary, you are in fact extraordinary. Now, please hear me when I say, I am not to embark upon some talk which is all about me brushing your hair, patting your back and telling you you're beautiful. That is not what's going to happen this morning. This is going to be a bit challenging. It's about you doing stuff. It's about you finding, you know, I spoke a few weeks ago, it's about you finding your place with God. It's about you finding your relationship with God. Your place with God is set. It's set. It's fixed. Jesus died once and for all. He isn't moving the goalposts right now. 
What happened has happened. But you know what? You have to dig deep sometimes to find where you are in all of that. Because he's going, I'm right here. I'm not moving. Where are you? So the first thing we need to focus on, you know, is um, the way we feel about ourselves. Who do you think you are? And it comes down to two things. There's the relative truth, which is affected by circumstances and prone to change. And then there's the absolute truth, which is unaffected by circumstances and change, which leads to a universal principle. This is all psychological phenomena. Okay? Which leads to the universal principle of something that sticks and is fixed and is firm despite circumstances and evidence to the contrary that you can come up with. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, we live our lives in relative truth. Yes? Whereby we are, listen, we've just sung that amazing song about take me deeper, Lord. You know, if you want God to take you deeper, that usually means a whole heap of stuff happening. So that you can prove your faith in the deep waters. I have prayed before, God, improve my faith. Take me deeper. Let me tell you, here is not the time to share it. I went through something that lasted five years in length and was the single most difficult challenge of my life to date. If you want to pray for more faith, you get ready. But when he's taking you through it, then you can't say, but I'm so tossed by the storms of life and it's all so much. And he's going, but you ask me for this. Now, you focus on me. You see, we, we, we rely on relative truth rather than absolute truth. Because we pray, take us through it. But when he does, we're going, where are you? Oh, where are you? And he's going, well, I'm here. That's the point of it. Although a little less sarcastically and impatiently than I'm saying it. <laughs> okay, that is me. Sorry, Lord. Leaky vessel, pots of clay. You know what I'm saying, right? Okay, God is love. All right. But you see what I'm saying? We look for the universal principle and we actually, in our heads, believe in the universal principle of God is God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Amen. But when we are up against it, then we're over here in relative truth. We're actually, is it true and does, is he who he says he is? You with me? We forget everything he's done, everything he's going to do, and who we are in Christ. And we depend on ourselves and the people around us to affirm us and tell us what we are rather than making that change to that says, I actually don't know what's going on now, but I know God is for me, not against me. I know that I am my beloved and he is mine and his banner over me is love. Yes? Sometimes you need to know your scriptures, don't you? Get these scriptures in your, what is it? The law I have written on their hearts. Not in their minds, not as some sort of intellectual exercise, but as something that is so written deep inside you that when the chips are down, you have nothing but that word inside you. You with me? I am my beloved, and he is mine, and his banner over me is love. Let me tell you, during that five years when I was going through that stuff, I'll tell you, I still put on my lipstick and high heels and smiled at everyone I saw. That's the difference. Nobody else needed to know. That was between me and my God. Yeah? You with me? Because I knew. And it was a line from a song that, 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 you know, from a Hillsong song that holds you. Based on scripture. When mountains fall, I will stand by the power of your hand. And in your, my, and in your heart of hearts, I'll dwell. And that my soul knows very well. 
it held me together. I still went to work every day. Right? No, I'm, not, I'm not bigging myself up here. Because, do you know what? I had a child to feed. Lying on a seat eating chocolate biscuits moping was not an option. Are you with me? I'm not, I'm not making anyone feel bad here. I'm saying bad times are going to come. In this world, you will have trouble. But understand that I have overcome the world, says Jesus. You are going to have it. And how you respond depends on where you find yourself in him. What is your identity? Who do you think you are? Deborah got it, didn't she? She was like, I got this. Wasn't she? I love that. I love that. I would love to have that confidence and supreme faith through my life. But I tell you what, there are days when I go, where are you? How has this happened now? And then you remember, actually, Andrea, shut up. Do you know what, do you know what Jesus has done for you? Stop whining. Stop whining. <laughs> okay. There are some things in this life that are horrible and tragic and awful and soul destroying but there's an awful lot that isn't that we choose to whine about i'm i'm relying on your you and your charity to make the distinction there you understand what i'm saying not being hard on you no jesus when he spoke to the masses he was so i'm gonna tell him and then he turned and saw the people and it says his heart was filled with compassion for them that's how i hope you're taking this not from a place of judgment from a heart filled with compassion that would see you free friends that's what I pray for myself, that I would be free and free indeed, as Jesus wants. And it is bound up with her identity. So, you know, Deborah inhabits her role. That's why she could dispense not just wisdom, godly wisdom. That's the difference again, isn't it? Where we can make wise decisions or we can make godly wise decisions. And there is a difference. There is a difference, isn't there? I've got, I've got unchristian friends who give great advice. They give great advice, but they don't give godly advice. And that's the difference. Because our twitching years and our 21st century mentality will look for the quick fix all the time. We're all a little bit selfish. Do you get me? You understand? Are you feeling me? As Karis would say. Do you know what I mean? You see, when it comes to who you are, understand this. Jesus Christ set a new precedent in the New Testament every time he said, I am. He defined you and me every time he said, I am, in the New Testament. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. I am. He is your redeemer. He is your savior. He is your comforter. He is your friend. He is the vine that you are planted in. He is the rock. He is the son of the most high God. He is God. So every time he says, I am, he is imbuing you with that. Do you understand? So when you say, who do you think you are? You say, I am a co-heir with Christ. Says who? God. That's who you are. So stop walking through your life like a victim. Stop walking through your life like a victim of circumstance, like a victim of other people's opinions, like a victim of your own opinion. Like a victim of exams. You are not your exam results. You are not what people say you are. You are not that thing you did as a teenager years ago. You are not that thing you did once as a child. You are not what your parents have told you. You are a co-heir with Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Do you understand that? Now, listen, it's easy for you to sit there this morning, here and that, going, she's right, she's right, she's right. Okay? And then we walk out, get smacked in the face by life and go, oh my gosh, here I am in relative truth again. 
stick in absolutes. Jesus Christ is a fixed point. The fixed point of the... Here we are. A-level English fans. Here we go. T.S. Eliot calls him the fixed point of the turning world. Isn't that lovely? I love that. He is the fixed point of the turning world. Make your world revolve around him, not the other way around. Yes? He is it. You know? When we're talking about who it is, he is it. So that's identity. We all right with that? Oh, how long have I been? My my watcher said five to nine since three months ago. So I have no idea how long I've been or what I'm doing. I do, however, know what I'm talking about. Okay. I think... Right, we're going on to purpose. Do you know what? I love this. 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 Because we all have a divine purpose. Now, let me tell you... Oh, I forgot the most important bit. Look, I've said about this book and I haven't read you the quote. So let's go back. Oh... I love a quote, me. I do. Here we go. Right. To know your worth, you have to understand your purpose. To understand your purpose, you have to know your worth. Amen. What? Boom. Drop the mic. Obama out. Yeah? It's so simple, isn't it? And yet so amazing. To know your worth, you have to understand your purpose. To understand your purpose, you have to know your worth. Simples. Right? So we're moving on to purpose. Genuine self-worth is realized when you discover firstly who you are and secondly why you are. I love that. Maybe I'm going a bit off, off, off kilter. I love this book. I let someone borrow it, but you have to give it back. Right. You need to know. Once you know who you are, you can start to think about your purpose. It's very simple. People are sitting there going, what is my purpose? What am I called to do? Listen. Before you're called to something, you are called to someone. Right? That's all you need to worry about. The rest becomes apparent in time. Don't be sitting there thinking, I think I'm called to, um, uh, I don't know. I think I'm called to cookery. Uh, but I can't cook. Uh. I think I'm called to lead worship. I think I am called to lead worship. Right? I think I am. But I can't sing. And have no discernible musical ability at all. But I still think I'm called to lead worship. But obviously I'm not. But I understand that I am called by God for something. I don't even know if that's become apparent yet. Because life is life and goes on. And the person I am today is not the person I'm going to be next year. And God can use me in any way he can. Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. You call me, you tell me, I'll do it. Yes? That's what we're singing. I should say this. Don't sing that song if you don't mean it. Don't say those words if you don't mean it. Because God will go, I'm taking you at your word on this. Let's do some stuff. You know, and you're there going, hold on. This is a bit scary. And God's going, but you asked me for it. That's what you asked. That's what you asked. So, you know, your purpose is divine. It is issued from God himself. But you need to understand that you are called to him before you are called to do anything for him. Yes? And when you are called to do for him, it is very simple. It's the Great Commission. You are called to make disciples of all men and women. You know what I mean. Right? You are called to display fruit wherever you go. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Everything therein. Joy, peace, love, self-control, kindness, all of it. You are called to love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
you are called to worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. This is your calling in life. It doesn't matter what he asks you to do. He's asking you to do that. Do you understand? So it doesn't matter if he's asking you to preach or lead worship or to evangelize or to fill in a prayer card. How hard is it? You know, it does that. None of that matters. He's called you to him before he's called you to do anything else. You find yourself in him. So once you can find him there, you absolutely know what your identity is. But if you're messing about here thinking, well, who am I? What is the secret of life? I don't know. And listen, we all get a bit like that at two o'clock in the morning, don't we? Why am I here? In the brin. Surely I was meant for the Caribbean. No, you don't, you? Why am I here? That's it, becoming a missionary. I'm becoming a missionary. I'm becoming a missionary that sunbathes. That's the kind of missionary I'm becoming. You know? There'll be Jesus loves you. Cocktail. Right? That's, but what we miss, what we miss completely is God going, why are you looking for stuff when I've given you me? <laughs> yeah. You see, you know who you are. You know who you are. He's, and you are him. You are your beloved's and your beloved's is yours. His banner over you is love. And yet, you still look for trinkets. You're still looking for bits. And he's going, I've given you me. I've given you myself. I gave you my son. I have given you the mysteries of heaven. I have given you forgiveness of sin. I have given you eternal life. I have given you it all. Why does it matter if you lead worship? or preach, or if people know your name. Why does that matter when you have him? Oh, you see, Deborah got it. Deborah got that. She ended up, this is Deborah's genius, I think, that God is involved in the detail of your everyday life. That's what she got. And I love her for it. There's so much there. Deborah understood that when you commit everything to God, he comes through. If you get rid of the detritus of your everyday life and the thinking about, oh, somebody asked a brilliant question in YAPC Plus, right? This is in keeping. They went, how do you keep, stop your mind from wondering when you're praying? I said, it's really hard. And many a time, you know, you're praying a prayer, the next thing you're thinking about doing of the kitchen. You know, isn't it? <laughs> I love you, Jesus, and I need a new pair of skinny jeans. What? Wait, whoa. You know, it, it just happens, doesn't it? You're like, what? 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 And it's like, do you know what? Why are you overcomplicating matters? How long are your prayers that your mind strays? Say what you've got to say, then stop. But surely your dialogue with God on goes all the day. If you are saving everything up for five minutes before you nod off, your mind is going to stray. Right? If you are going, oh, I'll pray about that later. Don't worry, I'll pray about that. Yeah, I'll pray for you. Pray for you. Not now. I'm thinking about other stuff. Beyonce, probably, you know. Eating chocolate. I'm not thinking. Yeah, yeah okay, fine. So you lie there at night going, oh, Lord, and pray for that person. Um... And when in doubt, this is what the Christian always prays. Your will be done, Lord. <laughs> Don't we? Yeah. When we haven't emotionally engaged with someone. Yeah. When we can't remember what they said. When we just said, yeah, yeah, we'll pray for you. And trotted it out like a quick, uh, like a quick little thing. Yeah, all right, shut them up, shut them up, shut them up. Yeah, I'll pray for you. Right? That's what we pray. We pray God's will for you, which is true. But you don't mean it. Ah, <gasps> I've done it. I do it all the time. Sorry. Don't ask me to pray for you. No, ask me to pray for you. I should. I should. But the truth is this is self-control, isn't it? Every bit of our relationship with God is based in self-control. 
You know, you practice a relationship with somebody. This week has seen, was it this week or last week? Yeah, has seen the most divisive day in the Christian calendar. A day designed to make people feel like failures because they can't put up a picture on Facebook of a red rose. I'm talking about Valentine's Day. If ever there was a day supposed to be about love that makes you feel more worthless and unloved, show me one. It's horrible. can't stand it. Oh, wait a minute. I am going to go on a bit of a rant that probably isn't very God-based. <laughs> All right? Listen. Things like this really affect people's view of themselves. I am of the mind that I am not a second-class person because I am single. I am single, by the way. For the, for the purposes of the tape, very much single. Okay? <laughs> Should anyone be listening? <laughs> you don't ask, you don't get. Right? <laughs> So you're there, and it's all about, you know, oh my gosh, so in love, so in love right now. Look at my 1,500 roses he got delivered to me. So in love right now. Do you know what? I'm under the impression that when you're in a relationship, you can say I love you anytime you like. Am I wrong? And then there's the other people. The other people who try to make single people feel better. And they tell you things like, hey, at least you don't have to eat chocolate and get big. Right, so I'm marginalized and patronized. Win-win for me, you know. It's so, ah, at least you don't have to spend money on presents. That's right, I can just spend it on class A drugs to make me feel better. You know, it's also blinking patronizing. Love people anyway. What's that about? You can only show someone you love them one day a week and then you have to buy them a card. (laughs) What? Stop it. Stop it, all of you. Stop being so smug. No, I love you all. No, but it is way 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 too trite we trivialize love we trivialize love and we toy with people's emotions and it's not fair i'm telling you it's not fair i don't care what people say about me and i don't care that i'm single and i don't care i don't care but you know what it matters to some people and then they embark on toxic unhelpful relationships because it's better than being on their own and that is so wrong for them your identity is in christ Your purpose is to do his will. Stick with him. This is what we're talking about. Deborah got. I love Deborah so much. Do you see how much Deborah's teaching us? Two verses, two chapters, that's all. But she understood where she was. She right-sized herself within the realms and kingdom of the Most High God. She understood that she was his servant, his mouthpiece, his judge. She was his judge on earth and she understood the responsibility that comes with that and very often we get sidetracked and tripped up by the things in our lives that aren't important but become because of the way we're feeling very important if you feel unloved on valentine's day you are loved you are loved loneliness is a different thing and we pray about that don't we because that's not good for people. But you are loved. And that's not in a patronizing way or a way that marginalizes people and say, this section of society, you can all be in love. The rest of you, you're single. That'll never be for you. Or you should attain it. That's something you should aspire to. Instead of thinking, do you know what? Wherever I walk, whatever I do, it's love anyway. Your whole life should be one of love, shouldn't it? Are you with me? I did go off on one, and I can only apologise. I imagine my mother will have something to say about that later over dinner. Right? 
your purpose is a period of growth. Do you understand that? Nobody hits the ground running. Nobody gets there fully formed. Growth and preparation are key during this time. Take every opportunity you can to find out more about Jesus. Talk to people about him. Read about him. Pray to him. But find out more. And you watch how you grow. Do things for other people, which leads me on to the next one, okay? We come on to self-worth. This is what Dr. Rob says. When people grasp just how valuable they really are, they take better care, not just of themselves, but of others also. Because you have got it all as a Christian. We have our trials and tribulations, but you have got it. And then you pass that on to other people. Again, not in a trite way, but in a way that is meaningful and loving. Do you understand that? Do you know... This brings me on to talk about self-esteem. There's a chance I may go off on one again. I do apologize. I'm going to really try hard not to. Okay? I think self-esteem, and the phrase low self-esteem, is an absolute curse in the 21st century. Right? Let me explain why. I work with young people up to the age of 25 in Carmarthenshire and Ceredigion, as a lot of you know. We have lots of referrals. 93% of our referrals are for emotional health issues. Okay, so we have lots of referrals for young people and it just says low self-esteem on them. I think, well, what does that mean? What does that, what does it mean? Think about it. What does self-esteem mean? And to most people, it means the way I feel and the way I see myself. So when you meet with young people, when I meet with them and we do an assessment initially and you try to get to the bottom of it because teenagers generally are quite inarticulate. That's me being polite, by the way. <laughs> you understand? They, 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 they haven't got the means to describe everything. So what you end up talking about is, well, hold on. You're just not very happy with some stuff that's happened. So in an actual emotional health intervention, what do you want me to do? And it just runs... I want you to make me happy. How do I do that? I don't know. Have a bar of chocolate. Go and say, seriously now, because when you pin down with someone how they're actually feeling, it sometimes comes down to this. I got up, I didn't sleep very well, and I was feeling a bit moody. Amid? Well, yes, my self-esteem in it. So what? I said, this girl, <laughs> oh, I, I am going to tell you this story, right? This girl I was seeing, it was, it was one of those moments where you, just, where you just think, there must be cameras. There must be cameras filming this because it's a setup. So I saw this girl. She walked in. She was wearing, I shouldn't tell you which one I am. I'm not going to say anything. She was wearing what can only be described as cut-off jeans that were so short, they were like denim knickers, right? In she walks, like that, sat down, looks at me. She went, they sent me in to see you. Full face, full face on. I was like, well, no, you asked to see me. First off, what's up? Well, I've got no confidence in it. <laughs> you are? <laughs> I'm telling you, and I've got no confidence. Uh, ask anyone. Ask anyone, they tell you, i got no confidence. Like that, doing all of that. <laughs> right? I've got no confidence. Orange face, foundation stopped there. You know the one, you know what I'm saying? Right? I was like, ah, oh, here we go. 
And as a practitioner, it's usually at this point you think, you put your, you, you're ready, you put your pen down and think, all right, here we go. I said, okay, so do you want to describe that to me a bit? Well, right, the thing is, when I'm out with friends, uh, I hate going in to buy stuff, so I make them do it for me. What do you talk? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, well, I tell them, uh, I'm not going into New Lock on my own, so you go in and buy the stuff for me. Uh, I'll give you the money back, innit? And uh, if you don't, you're not going to be from friends anymore. Isn't it? So, I said, so your confidence uh, is not that low. You actually enjoy bullying people. If I did, right? A face. I'm not being funny. What you say in? I said, I'm saying, I don't think your confidence is the issue. Uh, I've had help about it before. So what are you going to do now? I said, well, what, what do you want me to do? I said, I can't make you more confident when you already appear to be quite confident. <laughs> what, what do you want me to do? Uh, I want you to write a letter telling them why I can't go on work placement because I'm not confident. Uh, like that. Like that. <laughs> she said it like that. <laughs> well, I tell you, it took all my reserves of self-control. <laughs> <laughs> I went, okay, two things. One, you are not struggling with your confidence or your self-esteem. And two, don't ever speak to me like that again. Please leave. And she said, you can't do that. I said, well, I can. Please leave. Ah, uh, you're not allowed. I said, I am allowed. Please leave. I'll not be funny, right? But, like, if that's how you treat people with low confidence, you're not much of a nurse, are you? <laughs> like that. Backside going in the denim knickers and everything. Like that. And I was like, oh. And you know, you just go... Right, so I had to go and see the project leader and go, uh, we've, we've, we've had our intervention. And the whole office was just like, yeah, we know. She came in screaming about her. And he's just like, what? Listen, what do you want people to do for you? What do you want? Because it is a total cop-out. I'm sorry to be so challenging. If you say, I can't do that, it's because of my low self-esteem. Boom. What, what, what do you mean? Do you feel so low about yourself that you aren't able to function in a normal dynamic with people? But look, let's look at that. Deborah said to Barack, God's telling you to go. Barack said, I will go. Heck yes. But only if you come with me. And Deborah went, all right, I'll come with you. But the victory won't be yours. It'll come through a woman, mind. And Barack goes, all right. No. What it doesn't then list is, Barack's feelings were a little bit hurt by Deborah, so he took some time on his own to reflect, and he felt a bit sad. He told a few people about it. They said they'd pray for him. And then, you know, things didn't get any better, and his confidence really went low. And he thought, oh gosh, what am I supposed to do? I know, I'll tell a few more people how sad I'm feeling, and I'll get them to pray for me. And then they might, or they might not. Oh, but I know what I'll do. I maybe share it on social media because I'm really sad right now because you hurt my feelings and like they're my feelings, yeah? You know my feelings? They're my feelings, yeah? And I really need them, you know, not to be like this. I really need them not to be so low. You're really affecting my self-esteem, Deborah. I'm not being funny, but it, you know, it's done, isn't it? And Deborah, you know, none of that. He did, did, he went. Look, if you are going to be tripped up every time by a perceived slight, 
Your day is going to be exhausting. One, you are not going to achieve anything. Two, and three, you are going to be a perpetual victim of your own life. And I know I'm being a bit flippant and jokey about it, but what I'm trying to say is if you are always looking, one, to blame other people, or two, to get other people to give you the quick fix, you are missing the point of what God has got planned and what he's called you to. What Barak did was say, okay, I'll do it. And incidentally, if you go to Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, it's Barak who's mentioned, not Deborah. Right? Now, I don't, do you know how you feel about that? I do. I think God is big and massive and Deborah's okay with it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she's some feminazi who goes, hello. I think you'll find it was my victory because she knew the victory belonged to God. So you know what? She didn't need to have a name check anywhere else. She doesn't need to be praised and affirmed all the time. You know, I think we've got a bit of affirmation exhaustion. You know, affirming is great and encouraging people. That's great. And we should do that. But look, if all your relationships are just focused on getting people to affirm you so that you can feel differently about yourself, you are asking too much of people. You are. I'm sorry. We do. We ask a lot of people, don't we? Because actually, some of those prayers and some of that uploading should happen in private between you and God. That's how you get to know him better, by the way. You know, those private get-a-room moments. Yeah? The intimacy between you and your saviour. Where you can go, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And he's like, I know, but trust me. Those things happen in private. Corporate prayer is amazing. Prayer requests are amazing. We should be praying together, shouldn't we? We absolutely should. But I'm going to challenge some of you, some of your behaviors that you expect other Christians to come through for you. You have more faith in the people of God than you do in God. Right? And that is what needs to flip. The people of God are people. They are godly, they are faithful, they are wise, they are loving, but they are people. God is God. Stop with constantly having to go to people with it and take it to God. We all need our safe place. Don't hear what I'm not saying, right? We all need our safe places and the people who speak into our lives. But there is a large part of it that you think... You really need to stop with that and take it to God. There's nothing I can do for you other than pray. So the challenge for you today and this week, it's a good one, is this. I did a class on Friday with um, uh, entry level. That is young people with significant learning disabilities. Okay, they're amazing. I love it. It's my favorite class I do. And we did how would you build someone's confidence Yeah, I said it. After just talking about that, I said it. And you know what? These young people who have got significant physical and learning disabilities got it. They got it. If you want to feel better about you, you make somebody else feel better about them. Yeah? You want to feel better about you in your situation? Please don't go up to someone at a coffee today and tell them all about it. Go up to them and say, hey, how are you? You look amazing. Build someone else's confidence, a compliment, a smile. Hey, do you want a book? Borrow this book. Whoever you are, have a, have a read of that. Tell me what you think. We'll catch up next week. If you want to feel better about you, stop talking about you. Right? If 
you want us to feel better about you, stop imposing you on everyone else. Okay? If you want to feel better about you, make somebody else feel better about themselves. Simples. And my entry-level class got it. Because on the way out, they were just, they were like, totally, you look good. You come for coffee? I said, you don't normally come with us. Come with us. They, they get it. Christians don't. Christians don't. Many Christians don't. We think we have carte blanche to make your day miserable with my misery. Because you're a Christian and you should listen to it. And not just should listen to it, you should enjoy listening to it. You should want to listen to it. You should be walking in going, offload onto me. I'm ready for you. Every sordid detail, bring it. That's, that's how we think other Christians should be. Missing that I am Jesus in their life also, even if they're a Christian. And I'm so keen to let you know about my flotsam and jetsam that I forget to ask you about yours. I'm so keen to tell you, oh, you need to pray about this, that I forget to ask you if you had a nice birthday, or a happy Christmas, or an awesome wedding. You know? We're too keen to offload. And that's, look, we all need those people to offload to. But it's a private matter. You know, don't be just looking for someone stood on their own to think, hello, I'll go over and say hello, and then I shall regale them with my life. You know, are you thinking, what? Stop with that. Know who you are. You are a child of God. Your light should shine. Your light isn't impeded by anybody else. You know that, right? Nobody else can keep your light down. God is your light. We're going to finish now. Oh, gosh, there's lots of stuff. I'm sorry I went on so far too long. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I said far too much. Listen, Deborah's amazing. Read about Deborah. You know, being faithful. Be faithful. Be patient. Grow. You know, be so diligent in your pursuit of God. Be so diligent in finding out who you are. And you find that your identity, purpose, and self-worth is perfectly aligned, perfectly aligned to Jesus and the perfect person of the Redeemer. Truly man, truly God, truly God and man, and also perfectly aligned to the completed work of the Redeemer. Your identity, self-worth, and purpose is aligned to the fact that he is prophet, he is priest, and he is king. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.